The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. Where is God's true church today? You may have already asked yourself that question. Of course, most people believe that they are either in the true church or a part of the true church. Some people believe that it really doesn't matter what their church believes, just as long as we all love one another. For others, though, believing that they are a part of what they understand is the oldest church in the world and the one from which all other churches came assures them that they are in the original and therefore the true church. After all, most of the Protestant churches still practice the main beliefs of the old church, such as observing Christmas, with all of the accompanying traditions. Let us explore what the Bible says about the true church. Could it be that you have accepted the beliefs your parents taught you, but are not sure where they came from? The Bible should be the only authority for what we believe, but there are those who are of the opinion that church leaders over the centuries have been authorized to establish doctrines that do not come from the Bible. And so to help you be sure that you are a part of the true church, let me present to you our free booklet, Where is God's True Church Today? On today's program, I'll show you just how easy it is to prove where God's true church can be found. We're going to find that the true church will have the correct name and observe the day of the week that God revealed to his church. And we will see that it is not a large organization, but rather has always been a small flock. Are you sure that you are a part of God's true church? Stay tuned. A warm welcome to our regular viewers and a special hello to you if this is the first time you have watched Tomorrow's World. On this program, Roderick Meredith, Richard Ames and Wallace Smith take us to the words of the Bible to establish what is the real truth. As they often say, don't believe us just because we say it, prove it for yourself from the Bible. Don't take our word for it. And so in today's program, we are going to take you through key scriptures that will identify the true church. You will see how the gospel of Jesus Christ has been changed into a different gospel. Over 2,000 years, we have arrived at a different landscape to what the original apostles would have recognized. Before we start, let me ask the question, do you actually need to be a part of a church? Maybe you've had so many bad experiences with churches that you just want to be an independent Christian, living your own life outside of a group. Maybe your church is the many television ministries on the air, and you go from one to the other hoping to find a little truth from one and then a little more from another. But in the process, you may have become confused, since one preacher will say one thing and then the next says something different. 
Most people think that God's church is going to be a huge organization with large buildings and lots of money. Well, let us see what Jesus told us through the Bible in Luke chapter 12 and in verse 32. Do not fear little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Just as it was in his day, so will it be today. His church will be a small flock waiting to enter the kingdom of God. And believe it or not, this kingdom will be here on the earth and not in heaven, as you may have believed. Jesus Christ will be the king of this kingdom. He's going to return soon to rule the earth for 1,000 years. Yes, God's church has never been a large church, but rather a small, persecuted body of people who have not been accepted by the religious leaders of the day. Jesus Christ himself was hated and derided by the religious people around him, and just like Jesus, most of his disciples were either crucified or beheaded for their beliefs. Only the Apostle John is believed to have died a natural death. So phone the number that we will give you for your copy of Where is God's True Church Today? We will give you the number on the screen, or you can go to tomorrowsworld.org to order your copy. What else do we know about God's true church? You know, a lot of people think that Jesus Christ made the Apostle Peter a rock on which the church would be built. But if you examine the words carefully, you will discover something else. Notice as we go to Matthew chapter 16, and here we read in verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter. Now the Greek word for Peter is Petros, which means a pebble or a, or a little rock. And on this rock, now the word changes this time from Petros to Petra, or a big rock. That is Jesus himself, who is the big, massive rock. And then we continue. Christ said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so he contrasted the little rock or pebble, which was Peter, with himself, the big rock. His true church was not built on Peter, but on Christ himself. In fact, we are told that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Peter was a pebble, and he knew it, because in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, he said, Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We never find Peter telling the church that he was the great one. Granted, he was the chief apostle, but not the head of the church. Notice who the head of the church is. We read that in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writing here in, in Ephesians in chapter 1, in verses 22 and 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Two points then. Firstly, the true church will be small, and secondly, it will last from the day that Jesus Christ started it to the very day that he returns to earth. We don't need to worry if Christ's true church will go out of existence, because it won't. 
The next point to consider is that the true church will be believing and teaching just what the early church of the New Testament believed and taught. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so is his church. Do you know what the word church means? It does not mean a building where people go to worship. It's actually the body of people that make up the church. It's not a grand European stone cathedral such as we find in France and Germany. It doesn't have tall spires, bells and stained glass windows. The church is actually the body of true believers. Now many people believe that the pomp and ceremony conducted in the buildings is the church. Actually this is not true. The word church is translated from the Latin word ecclesia or called out ones. The church is the people, not a building. The word congregation more aptly describes the body of people who collectively make up the church. And we find then that the church is the body of Christ and he is the head and they are the body. What then is the first hallmark of God's true church? Here it is from our special booklet offer for today. Number one is God's church has the fear of God. When I say fear, I don't mean trembling panic, but a deep abiding respect, reverence, awe and love for God. His church will seek his will in all that they believe and do. Every area of life will be viewed in accordance with God's word. In the book of Proverbs chapter 9, and here in verse 10 it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Unlike so many theologians who view God and the Bible from a superior position, God's church will always put itself under God's purview. Theologians like to put God and the Bible under the microscope. But God laughs at them for their arrogance. You need to seek the true God revealed in your Bible and his awesome creation. Hear what Isaiah says in chapter 40 and verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. It's far better to bring ourselves under God's care and guidance than to trust in ourselves and men. In his book, The Battle for the Bible, Dr. Harold Linsell lays out this fundamental proposition. He said, when all has been said and done, the only true and dependable source for Christianity lies in the book we call the Bible. Many people would like to join God's true church, but I'm going to say something rather unusual. You cannot join the true church of God. Why? Because God must call you and then place you in his church. Notice what it says in John chapter 6 and in verse 44, where Jesus told the people, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. God draws his people to his church and reveals his truth to them. Now I know you would like to know the answer to the question, where is God's true church? Well, call the number on the screen right now, 
or write it down and call a little later for your free copy of the booklet, Where is God's True Church Today? You can also go online at tomorrowsworld.org and request your copy there. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back to our program where we are asking the important question, where is God's true church today? You can know the answer because the Bible spells out the identifying signs of His church. So far we have learned that God's true church will have the fear of God. Rather than being concerned with what humans think of them, true Christians are concerned about what God thinks. They do not fear the scorn and the ridicule of people. They will not set out to provoke or to criticize others but will stand firm when their beliefs are not accepted by others. The second sign of God's church is really quite simple. Their name will state who they are. God's true church, then, will have the name Church of God. Think about the name of your church. Is it called the Church of God? It should be. Maybe it's the church of, well, it could be the name of a country or a person or a belief if it is not the church of God you should ask why not I hope I didn't offend you by saying that but the Bible gives us the true name of God's church let's look at the Bible to see what the Apostles called the church in their day we're going to go to 1st Corinthians chapter 1 where Paul was addressing the church at Corinth and in addressing the church this is what he says Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. Verse 2, to the church of God which is at Corinth. In fact, there are 12 times that the term either church of God or similar names are used to identify God's church. It makes sense, doesn't it? If you want to advertise your business, uh, you would call it maybe James Hennessy Plumbers if that's what James Hennessy is doing in business. Being certain of who you are and what you're doing is the key to being successful at what you do. Names are important to God, and we find that he names people and his church for what they are. Let me give you an example. Do you remember the name of the faithful man of God in the Old Testament, Abram, who had his name changed to Abraham? Because he was to become a father of a multitude. Abraham means exactly that. Father of a multitude. Now his grandson Jacob, his name became Israel. Because God wanted to name him 
prince with God. Once again, the meaning is the same as the name. And so it is that God has named those whom he has called what they are. The church, the Latin word is ecclesia, or called out ones, the church of God means called out. God's people are not of this world. Notice what we are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and in verses 16 and 17. It says, For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then in verse 17, Come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. What is the third sign of God's true church? Let me give it to you. Number three is growth in grace and knowledge. Jesus Christ is the head of the church and he leads the church into a more perfect understanding. The Apostle Peter understood this important principle and so concluded his second epistle with these words, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To know which are the identifying signs of the true church of God, you will need to read the five signs that are outlined in the booklet, Where is God's True Church Today? You will be amazed that it has nothing to do with politics or grand cathedrals. It has nothing to do with religious wars. It has to do with what the Bible tells us are the hallmarks of God's church. Phone the number on the screen and request your copy of where is God's true church today? If you cannot get through to our phone center, take the number down and call later. Or you can go to tomorrowsworld.org where you can order your copy. That is tomorrowsworld.org. Not only does the church as a body grow spiritually, but the individuals in the church need to grow. That means being prepared to admit when we're wrong. It means that we have to search the scriptures with an unbiased mind and a, and a prayerful attitude. You know, I remember when I was a young man, God showed me that I was observing the wrong day of worship. I tried to justify myself. I said, all these churches cannot be wrong. Finally, I could not escape the inevitable and set aside the time to prove what the Bible says about the Christian Sabbath. Are you sure that the day that you observe is the day that God wants you to observe? Because this brings us to the fourth and the most convincing proof of God's true church. Do you want to hear what it is? Number four is this, the sign of the seventh day Sabbath. I mentioned that I had to prove which day was God's day. Like most of you, the majority of people, except that church leaders know which is the correct day of the week to observe. But let us apply a simple test to the question. Whose example should we follow if we call ourselves Christians? In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, a very simple statement is made by the Apostle John that we can learn a great deal from. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, it simply says this, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. That means that anyone who calls him or herself a Christian should live or walk the way that Jesus Christ lived and to do what he did. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? So let's see which day of the week Jesus Christ himself observed and worshipped his Father. We're going to go to Luke chapter 4 
And here in Luke chapter 4 verse 16 it says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And what about the apostles? Did they keep Sunday or Saturday as their Sabbath? We could understand if Peter and the other disciples with him were to observe the seventh day Sabbath because they had been with Christ, whom we have just seen, kept the Sabbath on the seventh day with his Jewish relatives and friends. But what about Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles? Wouldn't have he kept the new day of sun worship, that is Sunday? Wasn't he going to appeal to the sun-worshipping Gentiles and change the day of observance? All of Rome worshipped the sun as their principal god on Sunday. And it wasn't until 321 AD, in order to help the pagan Romans accept Christianity, that the Roman Emperor Constantine rejected the Sabbath, that's the seventh-day Sabbath, and replaced it with Sunday. Did you know that? Listen. Prove it to yourself. Don't believe me just because I say it. Go to your encyclopedia and prove it to yourself. Go to your computer and find out how the day was changed. Did Paul tell the Gentiles to keep Sunday? No. The answer is no. Look at Acts 17 verse 2. Then Paul, as his custom was, that's the same words used of Jesus, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Here was his perfect opportunity to say to the Gentiles, we have changed the day to Sunday. But rather, he upheld the seventh day Sabbath. Interestingly, in Acts 13.42 we read, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Later, when writing to the Hebrews, he said, There remains therefore a rest, a keeping of the Sabbath, for the people of God. You will find that in chapter 4 and verse 9. Of course, the translators use the word rest, but they actually knew that the word is actually sabbatismos, which means a keeping of the Sabbath. There is no biblical instruction to keep Sunday. That day was introduced by Rome just before the Council of Nicaea, nearly 300 years after Jesus Christ lived. What is the fifth sign of God's true church? Well, stay with us till after the break so that I can tell you the fifth sign of God's true church. In the meantime, go to tomorrowsworld.org to order your copy of the booklet that we are giving away today. It is free of charge and no one will call you or follow up your request. We will not give your name or address to a third party but we'll keep it totally confidential. Call the number that we will give you now and you will receive your free copy of Where is God's True Church Today? To receive this program's offer absolutely free or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org or you can write us at the address shown.
With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back to our program and the opportunity to find out where God's true church is today. If you've just joined us, I have given four out of the five signs that identify God's true church today. They are, number one, the fear of God. Number two, the church is named Church of God. Number three, growth in grace and knowledge. And number four, God's church has the sign of the seventh-day Sabbath. The last sign is also important, and you are experiencing the effects of it right now. Number five is, God's church does the real work of God. God's church has always been serious about preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Unlike many religious people who believe that the kingdom of God is already here on earth, the Bible tells us that the kingdom has not yet come. That will occur when our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, comes as an all-conquering King of Kings. He will overthrow all of the established kingdoms of this world, as well as the established religions that have been deceived by Satan the devil. Notice what his commission was, and the very first words he spoke in proclaiming the gospel. When we turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, we read, Now after John was put in prison... Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That is exactly the same message that we're preaching today. We teach that the kingdom of heaven is coming soon. It will be from heaven, but not in heaven. It will be here on the earth. Jesus Christ said to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 3, he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where will he be? Will he be in heaven? No. The prophet Zechariah tells us where Jesus Christ is going to rule from in chapter 14 and verse 9. Let's turn there if we can to Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 9. Notice it says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. You may not have heard that before. God's true church understands the good news of the kingdom of God and continues to preach that gospel. If you would like to know more about God's true church, phone now for your copy of today's free offer and be sure to watch again next week at the same time when Roderick Meredith, Richard Ames, Wallace Smith and I bring you the good news of the Kingdom of God. Until next week, goodbye friends. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown.
To view today's program, order the free literature offered, or for more information on today's vital subject, visit us online at www.tomorrowsworld.org. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.